I want to talk about the greatest challenge every Christian has to face. In our Christian life, it's something that we rejoice over probably one of the most ways, but it's our biggest challenge in life. Has anyone got any idea what it might be? Okay. The practice of forgiving or forgiveness. Okay? Towards people and other Christians. And how this makes a difference to us and other people. Forgiveness is the most celebrated, the least practised within the doctrine of our faith. Think about that. It's a common experience for us to rejoice in forgiveness. To rejoice in greatly in our forgiveness, remember? Yeah? And at the same time, hold a grudge against somebody. And I want to I want to read this the, the parable of the unforgiving servant uh, Matthew 18 <coughs> and you will have all read it I would imagine and it goes like this then Peter came to him and said Lord how often shall, I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Which um, verse is it? Uh, Matthew 18, verse 21 onwards. Peter was feeling very confident seven times in one day. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who held him 10,000 talents. But as he was unable to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master! Have patience with me and I will pay you all of it. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. He released him and forgave him his debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all I owe. And he would not. He went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion 
on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Powerful, that last verse. So my heavenly father also will do if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You know, the reason for our difficulty with forgiveness <coughs> is that it is outrageously, outrageously unfair. The idea, you know, it deeply offends our sense of justice. Someone comes along and sins against us, does something, sometimes accidentally, sometimes on purpose, and we are hurt. We feel it. It hurts. And our sense of justice wants someone to be punished for that. To feel something for the consequences. Yeah. The person who does the hurting should be forgiven and absolutely acquitted for what he or she did. That's what hurts. The beginning of the parable said this, Peter <coughs> called, thought he was full of the Holy Ghost, says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? And he comes to me in one day, seven times. Wow, Jesus said, no, I'll tell you, 70 times, seven. So I can deduct from that, that it doesn't matter how many times someone comes to you in your day, the same person, if you like, and sins against you, Accidentally or on purpose. These, they should be forgiven. This shows what Jesus said about the times an individual <coughs> should be forgiven. <clears throat> we need to process that and understand. Sometimes... We, we need that kind of forgiveness from God on a daily basis. This is not designed to make you feel guilty right now. This is designed to liberate us. God never tells us anything that would start tying us up and binding us down and stopping us from moving. He wants us liberated. And Jesus was the most free, liberated person on the face of the planet. He had no fear. He had no predicaments. He had no um, issues or problems. He didn't carry offences in any way. <coughs> and he was the most liberated man on the planet. 
and he's showing us how he did it. He's showing us how he did it. This is exactly what forgiveness is and equally what every one of us have received from God and it is what God expects from us as we forgive each other. Hallelujah. We are asked to free each other from the consequences of the sins we commit. And we do that by forgiving each other over and over and over again for the rest of our lives. Listen to this. Psalm 103 verse 10. He, God, has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. We might want to say, serve your right. But God would never say that. He'd never say that. We like to see the baddie get his comeuppance. In 2 Peter 3 verse 9, God says, He's not willing that anyone should perish. Remember, important, let's remember that discipline is not punishment for sin. Discipline is not punishment for sin, but a measure taken against us so that we should repent from our sin. And learn to recognise that it's not worth putting ourselves in a situation and face the pain of the things we do or that we inflict on anybody else. Discipline is not punishment. Remember that. Because this is going to... It was... 1 Corinthians 5 verses 1 to 5 quite interesting it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as it is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife and you are puffed up and you have not mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you for I indeed have, am absent from the body but present in spirit and have already judged as though I were with you to him who has done such a deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ when you are gathered together along with my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus now this is where the last paragraph comes into what I've just said. Let's remember that discipline is not punishment. That act, that person did, he did, he did a believer, according to the, the church in Corinth, which was a crazy church. These are true things that were taking place in the church of Corinth. It was very mixed up, quite crazy in the... In, the times from bread and wine and people were sitting on different sides people were coming in hungry and thirsty and they drink 
all the wine that was for the communion, they eat all the food that was around there, and by the time communion comes, there's a few people who are a little bit light-headed, and there was women chatting in the background. This is the truth of the Corinthian church. It was it wasn't they weren't all they weren't all well behaved, you know. There aren't things been discovered in the twentieth century it didn't happen at the time when Jesus was about. Okay. But punishment is but discipline is not punishment. Remember we're talking about someone doing an act, whatever it might be, that deserves and according to the scripture, taken out of the, the body. Now, they're doing that for the reason, right, that this person recognises that you, ca you can't do that and be a part of the, the worship. He needs to be separated to understand the church is doing that, not to, not to um, put him in a place where he's going to perish, but that he might get his act together, realise his or her wrong and repent okay so men were caught in sexual morality um, and they were saying that the kind of thing that was going on doesn't even get spoken with in unbelievers so they're saying they remove that person from the congregation they didn't pray any peace or anything on him. They handed him over so the works of his flesh would take its course and hopefully he would learn his lesson and repent. Okay, so this is all about discipline is not punishment. We as Christians have to discipline our flesh, don't you know? Do you know that? Sometimes our bodies want to do things that we shouldn't do. Come on. So, discipline is not punishment. Paul said, I have to beat my body. His body's craving things he can't have. And we, we as guys have that issue. You as ladies have that issue. Because we're dealing with our body. Our body had everything it wanted when it wanted, when we weren't Christian, most of the time. Because he says, I'm hungry, Sid. Let's go and get a takeaway. Some people eat too many takeaways, but that's another story. But discipline is not punishment. Okay. <coughs> discipline is not punishment. So, what this we just read about and what the guy was separated for, this is not an act of revenge or getting that just, giving him his just desserts uh, or any such sentiment like that. You know, we grade sins on outward actions and appearances but we know that according to James 2.10 that we've broken made a sin in one part we've sinned in every area God doesn't you know that's the truth you know that's how God sees it this is why we're full of, you know we receive grace and forgiveness on a daily basis forgiven forever but we do need to discipline ourselves we're not punishing ourselves you know I was dealing with someone today, and he's a classic act. He, he done, he's made some rotten mistakes, silly things, and he's punishing himself. He's punishing himself. Yet Jesus paid the price. 
He doesn't need to punish himself. He doesn't need to feel guilty. But he can't receive that revelation because he has to punish himself for the wrong he's done. People will forget you. People won't, won't forget when you do wrong against them. God has. People won't. Okay. God's forgiving you. People don't generally. But that's another story. That's not Christians, I believe. We shouldn't be. So there's two sins in the Bible that run the risk of being unforgiven. I'm trying to whistle following my grandson. He's whistling all the way along. I'm going, can't I do it? I can't do it. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and not forgiving someone. This seriously upsets our natural way of thinking because the good living person who bitterly resents the actions of an evil person refuses to forgive them. And that good living person, right, is more likely to go to a lost eternity than the evil person who can forgive. Think about that. Some people are wrapped up in their good works. And they're nice people. And they're successful. But Jesus said, I've come for the sick, not the healthy. If you think they've got no problems, then you ain't going to need Jesus. We know we're missing something, and then we find him. Thank God. He's the finisher, completer, that makes us whole at last. Hallelujah. So... Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and seeing someone as unforgiven. We'll talk about these two areas. Right? Grad statement. Forgiveness is an attitude before it's an action. Do you get it? You, you stir that up and strengthen yourself with understanding about forgiving and build yourself up. The same idea as you don't learn to put a tent up in the storm. You wait till it's calm, work it out, put it up. So when the storm comes, you can do it. A shallow look at forgiveness is uh, to think that forgiveness is, uh, is something I have to do when someone sins against me. A shallow look at forgiveness is something I need to do when someone sins against me. It is, but it's much more because it's the result of an attitude. The parable of the prodigal son reveals that. In the Bible it's talked about the, the prodigal son, but it is really a parable about the father's heart. Because the father was disrespected in lots and lots of ways by his son, but he was always ready to forgive always ready to forgive and it shows the attitude of the elder brother who didn't want his son to be forgiven go home and read that and think about it incredible story about the, the, the forgiveness of the father's heart in the midst of all the the wrong that happened to him
and the key to it is the father's attitude towards the son and not the experiences of the behaviour of the son it's about the father's attitude towards the son the father's attitude was forgiveness even before the son had done the things he was the attitude was developed forgiven I need to forgive and everything that the son did didn't change that because the attitude was forgiveness in the father and this is something that was when I was at college and I came across this and it spoke a lot and I've had to do you know as a Christian we don't nail this first time eh? oh I've got it right now because three years down the line someone comes across your path and winds you up really bad I'm not, telling, I'm not saying because I've, I've done it. I'm telling you because I've had to use it. Lots of occasions and sometimes I haven't. And then I've got to come back and think, man. I need to just check. Have I let this person? Have I forgiven them? And people are being in your life to make you, to draw this out of us. They're there. And you can't avoid them because that's unforgiveness. But if you just see them occasionally, that's okay, I can deal with that. And sometimes that's okay. But as long as we've got an attitude there that if they need something, if there's something you can do, we don't just turn our back and pretend we never heard the voice of the Holy Spirit or our conscience speaking to us, whatever it might be, making it easier for that person. So, to be able to forgive someone over a specific event, you must operate out of an already existing forgiving attitude. We've cultivated it. Ask me this at the end if I don't say this. The attitude, listen, the attitude produces the action. The attitude, sorry, the action does not create the attitude. Oh, I'm going to forgive. And, and that'll make it all better. But inside, you just dump something on someone that might liberate them a little bit, but it doesn't have to change us. Because we haven't developed an attitude about it. We haven't built ourselves up in strength. Are you getting anything here? <clears throat> you know... Everything that we're going to come against in our life, everything that God's encouraging us to do, isn't something he hasn't already done. Okay. Psalms 85 verse 6. For you, O Lord, are good and ready to forgive our trespasses, sending them away, letting them go completely and forever. And you are abundant in mercy and loving kindness for all who will call upon you. Psalm 134. But there's forgiveness with you. Just what man needs. That you may be reverently feared and worshipped. Daniel 9.9. To the Lord our God belong mercy and loving kindness and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him. And I've referred to this earlier on. 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that anyone should perish, 
but all should come to repentance. That's God telling us who he is, what he's done. And we marvel at Jesus' words on the cross, Father forgive them for they do not, do not know what they do. And Jesus, Jesus was doing what was in his nature to do. And if his nature to do was to forgive, then the ability in his nature is where now? His attitude. Right. In us. In us, Denise, that's right. So the ability to forgive is there. It's already in us because the nature of God is in us. How can God go on forgiving me? It's in his nature. I love this statement here. We need to appreciate this fact when it comes to the gospel. Listen to this. The gospel did not put forgiveness into the heart of God. It was the forgiveness in the heart of God that prodded the gospel. And brought it to life. The forgiveness of God was present when salvation's plan was brought about before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, eh? This is not something new that he had to learn. This is what happened. And the, the gospel came from the forgiving nature of God that brought salvation's plan into manifestation or, or made it appear. Hallelujah! The fruit does not produce the tree. The tree produces the fruit. The nature is in God. And the action comes from the attitude of the nature that forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. Thank God. We need to allow God to transform us. So this spirit flows from us on a daily basis. So many Christians are at odds with people around them. And the church on the whole is disunited. And this partly do. <coughs> this disunity is about unforgiveness. We live in a world of fallible, sinful human beings. And this sinful condition will mean that people of the world will make genuine mistakes. And do some evil things deliberately as well if we do not cultivate a forgiving attitude or nature we will be constantly at odds with people taking offence and being resentful overcoming the problem of injustice is another area we're talking about Injustice means the violation of the rights of others. When someone sins against you and does something wrong, you are violated. It's, they're taking the mick. Who do they think they are? And it is the great stumbling block for every single one of us because the progress of injustice is, as word again, forgiveness. When someone, someone sins against you, it hurts. Has anyone had anyone sin against them and know the hurt of it, the cheek of it? 
and that hurt and sense of being violated rises up in us and we want justice it demands that the person who has committed the violation to pay the penalty for what they have done true this is the opposite of forgiveness which forgiveness lets the person go free and avoid of the consequences of what they have done big words massive massive the problem with the unforgiving servant the one we just read was it was fine or that he was the one being forgiven yeah but when he come to him to have to forgive he couldn't do it it didn't make sense for him to be forgiven that massive sum of money and what he had to forgive was the guy who owed him such a little and it's like us and God we've been forgiven a massive amount of sin and wrong through to our core and then we hurt and demand justice from someone who has, comes against us and does something 1% of what we've already been forgiven for and we want justice we want that person to be given the right for doing the wrong powerful stuff I know because I guarantee every single one of us including me have people we know need our forgiveness and I want to tell you we need to forgive them not for them they don't even know you don't forgive them or you've got a problem it's us it's like me wanting to give someone a cup of poison and drinking it myself <coughs> we're poisoning ourselves with unforgiveness they're walking along merrily none the wiser and Jesus doesn't want us tying ourselves up the man changes places with his master in the story and illustrates exactly what happens to our experience with forgiveness between us and God and us and someone else we re when we receive forgiveness like the servant we have to do the forgiving we have changed places with and are now in the place of the master we're now in the place of the master you need to realize that forgiveness is a massive stumbling block for us all God's designed us to be absolutely free 
go anywhere, do anything, but in that spirit, it utterly liberated. And these things thwart us and tie us up. And I guarantee the Holy Spirit's talked to us about them. And we, we make lots of excuses, have lots of relevant reasons for us, and now we don't hear him anymore. Maybe we don't see the person anymore. <coughs> but we need to cultivate the attitude of forgiveness. In other words, we are in the position that God was when wanting to forgive us. So we have the same resources as God. We might ask that God, if God's so forgiving, why do, we might ask that if God is so forgiving, why doesn't he just forgive? He cannot do this as a, he cannot do this because of the demands of justice won't let him. A price has to be paid. I'll read that again. We might ask that if God is so forgiving, why doesn't he just forgive? He cannot do this because there's a demanding justice that won't let it be paid and the price has to be paid, there has to be a balance. God desires so much to forgive. Do you know what he did? He said, okay, I'll pay the price. I'll pay the price. When we break the law, there has to be a price. There's got to be a price paid. Justice has to happen. And in the law, there came... Justice had the, the law come, and the law had to be appeased. The law was broken. If someone breaks the law these days, they'll get taken by the police, charged, marked, and imprisoned. Well, in the Israel at that time, laws were broken, and there was blood being poured in the, in the, through the priesthood. We mentioned this before. But Jesus came and fulfilled it all, and he paid the demands of the law. Like we said at the beginning of the meeting, paid in full. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5.19, he amplified this. Is, it was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favour with himself, not counting up or holding against men their trespasses, but cancelling them and committing to us a message of reconciliation, of restoration to favour. Re wow. Do you know, when I, every time I read that, I'm getting excited. Jesus didn't only pay the price for our sins that have been committed between us and God, but they, they cover the sins that we commit with each other. Jesus didn't just get the, the, the our sins and soak them all up that we messed, as we messed up with God. But all the things that we've done with each other, he paid for them too. So, what right have we got to have someone who violates us and brings hurt to have them to hurt when Jesus has paid the price? I'm going to jump ahead of the gun a little bit now. 
Jesus didn't only pay the price for sins that was being committed between us and God. They cover the sins that we commit against each other. So that the price of our sense of justice that is demanding towards the person who has sinned against us should already have been paid by Jesus. Listen. The grounds on which I forgive you are the same grounds on which God forgives me. The work of the Son on the cross. The price has been paid. All matters of injustice between you and I have been settled through the finished work of the cross. Wow! Need to get the tape. <clears throat> Getting this truth into your soul will enable an attitude of forgiveness which does dwell in us to become established. Listen, think about people who have hurt you, violated you in some of the horriblest ways. That, and I'm not asking you to think about them now, but what I'm saying to you, to establish an attitude of forgiveness is to be able to think about them and Lord say, Father, in the name of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit in me, I want them forgiven. I forgive them according to the work of the cross. And Lord, help me to cultivate this forgiveness in my life. Work at it. Work at it. And think about it. And periodically bring it to mind so that you can forgive. Because when that person crosses your path, you will release them because you already have cultivated the attitude of forgiveness. And now I wonder what the heck is going on here? And you're walking absolutely. You might not even see him for the rest of your life, but you're walking absolute freedom. And then when everyone has a, you only have another chance to forgive, and you will, because I'll let you down somewhere along the line, or someone will lose close to you. It's okay, don't worry. It's okay. We should allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us to forgive and liberate those who need our forgiveness. And there's no greater one than that than us. We need forgiveness. You know, our unforgiveness towards another person is so serious because we are saying it's the act that was committed against me is outside the scope of Jesus' work on the cross. This, un this act is bigger than Jesus' finished product. And there's no such thing, is there? Do you understand what I'm saying? <coughs> if we think this person needs justice, needs punishment, and I don't have to forgive them, means that what Jesus did on the cross hasn't reached him. And we know that's not the truth. Remember, we're looking at life from a Christian perspective. The world lives like the world lives by law and justice, but Christians live by love and peace. 
uh, of it. The Christians live by love and forgiveness. Hallelujah. Remember hearing something uh, a while ago, I haven't heard it, and we usually speak about it. The very thing that has the greatest potential to get up your skin and make you feel awkward and get to you, you know, has the biggest and most powerful power to set you free. There's some things you want to listen to that makes you feel awkward, lifts the lid up on you, look and see what's going on there. Because God isn't fooled, remember. We only fool ourselves. It's called a deception. And the things that come and start making us feel awkward, whoa, has the greatest power within it to free us. Hallelujah. That's a good statement, that is. Think about it. Hallelujah. Like I said earlier, people, um, people who can't understand this finished work of Jesus take on the, the duty of themselves of paying the price because they don't self-forgive. Jesus has forgiven. And they think that their act, their feeling of guilt, this is a liberating thing. They've got no right to feel guilty. No right. Because Jesus paid the price. Incredible. You know, the gospel is amazing. You know, we talk about justice and law now. Interesting part of uh, the Christian life. Um, what has been said about behaviour is for you. The victim of another's bad behaviour. Okay. It does not mean that compensation and justice can't be sought through the law and the courts where appropriate. But it has to be done with an attitude of love and peace and forgiveness. We can do things that have to be done because it's dangerous, because it could be threatening to children, it could be threatening to uh, single mothers who are Christians, remember? But we can get the police, we can get the police involved, but the people who we're dealing with need to be worked with with love and peace. We don't have to carry resentment and bitterness and anger and revenge because that will violate us. We're not designed for it. The Christian is not designed for grief and suffering and worry and sickness. It's not designed for it. Incredible stuff, you know. Wow. <clears throat> it does not mean that compensation and justice can't be sought through the law where appropriate. But it has to be done with mercy and forgiveness in the heart. It does not mean that evil is not restrained or controlled by use of deadly force if necessary. People have to be protected from the violent and wicked behaviour of others. They have to be. Mark 4.12 says, So that seeing they may not deceive and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest I would turn and their sins be forgiven them. It's only the repentant who are allowed to go free. It's only the repentant who are allowed to go free. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, 
I repent. I need to be forgiven. It is only the repentant. Jesus' first words were, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is nigh. John the Baptist can be said to people to produce fruits of restitution. If you sow, listen, if you sow the consequences of what happened to you, you will repeat the consequences of what happened to you in your life and bear the fruit of them. You definitely need to get the tape. If you sow the consequences of what happened to you, <coughs> you will reap the consequences of what happened to you in your life and bear the fruit again. But if you sow salvation into what happened to you, you will repeat the fruit of salvation. You will reap the fruit of salvation and be set free. Can you see that? And, and it is about repentance. It's about changing our minds. <clears throat> At the beginning we said that if we really forgive, then we should treat people as if they'd never sinned against us. This is the same way God treats us when we repent. It's, a, it's called justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's how God sees us. Inside, so you might see you, or your friends see you, or your mum sees you, or your sister sees you. That's how God sees us. Remember, God forgives and forgets. People mark it in their book. But you need to throw the book away. As Christians, we need to dump it. We don't need reminding of the things that hurt us. We need to forgive and forget. It's not people getting away with anything, it's us being liberated. Man. Let's qualify this statement. We cannot receive God's forgiveness and enjoy the experience of relating to him as if the experience of as if we haven't sinned if we don't repent. We can't. Impossible. Right? Mark 1.15 says, and saying the appointed period of time is fulfilled, completed, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Have a change of mind. Which issues, which issues in regret for past sins and in change of conduct for the better and believe, trust in, rely on and adhere to the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. It's amazing. Oh, uh, so this is perfectly clear. When we, uh, we can only have a restored relationship with God when repentance is involved. If the person is not repentant, there can be no restoration. And in a similar way, unrepentant sinners cannot enjoy the benefit of God's salvation. Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Nobody, nobody in this world is without God and his blessings. Whether they actually access them, and receive them is something else but God's poured it out 
Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2.2 2, The appeasement of wrath. <clears throat> Just going to finish now. Actions may have to be taken against the un unrepentant to restrain them for the sake of physical, emotional or spiritual well-being. This might include using a legal system in certain abusive situations when people's lives might be in danger, but it is in God still encourages us to have a spirit of forgiveness and peace and not resentment, bitterness or revenge. Oh, okay. Everyone is writing down a couple of scriptures for you, listen. The foundation of all Christian living is forgiveness. It's foundational. Okay, this is practical. It, it's, it's, it, <coughs> might, it might hurt for the people who, have, who we know have hurt us. We want them to hurt. But we need to release. While we hold that hurt, we're hurting. For forgiveness will set us free and free us from the hurt as well. Let God deal with our problems. Let him deal with our problems. Matthew 5 verse 38 to 48. Matthew 7 verse 12. Psalm 133. Colossians 3. I'll show you in a bit. The point of this message is that justice will not heal your hurts. Only forgiveness. And when forgiveness comes, that will heal your hurts as well. Unforgiveness locks us into the consequences of our sin, consequences of the sin committed against us, because bitterness and resentment focuses on our thinking of the consequences and we reap what we sow. We are not asked to forgive in our own strength, but only required to allow the forgiveness of God to flow through us, through the whole, from the Holy Spirit to the offender. Yeah. Forgiveness. It's it's in us. It's under our skin. God's aware. And he, He's liberating us. <coughs> People in your family you don't talk to or haven't talked to, who have growled friends you've shared and they've abused and taken advantage and told lies people who have done things to you and called it love it just seems so wrong that they should be acquitted and let to go free but we're not designed to hold this we're designed to give everything to him we are <coughs> undeserved <coughs> been set free because of God loving us and he's asking and requiring that we do that same and make that same act that we, we develop our attitude of forgiveness so that when we need it it'll just flow it'll be easy because we've been practicing and thinking about it and building ourselves up because it, it's pivotal it's about the core of us, how we release God. <clears throat>